Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Low Key Geek. Hey, hey, he's a low key geek. He tries to be out there when he wants to be, but hey, he's a low key. He's a low key geek. Hey guys, what is going on? How are all of you doing? It is another episode of the Low Key Geek Podcast. And I hope you guys have had a wonderful week and weekend. This is coming to you on a Monday. Um, had um, some uh, scheduling conflicts from late last week, so I wasn't able to upload this episode on Friday like I had the previous two. Um, but you know, I'm still ironing out what the full schedule will look like, especially moving into 2021, but here I am, here you are hopefully listening or watching on YouTube. Um, and you know, a lot of stuff to, to talk about, um, one in particular, um, some, um, unfortunate events, uh, and, uh, an unfortunate week for CD Projekt Red and the developers of Cyberpunk 2077. Um, but before we get into that, there's some other news to discuss that uh, dropped in the world of movies and TV. But as always, this is the podcast where I talk about the latest in pop culture, whether it's movies, games, TV, um, animation, what have you, anything within there, um, anything that sparks interest from the news of the previous week. And I kind of put my own spin on it. So I appreciate you guys checking me out. And uh, as always, if you do like what you see, uh, hit that like and subscribe button there on YouTube. And then if you're listening on the audio, uh, uh, please uh, leave a great rating and subscribe as well. Um, the podcast is now available on iTunes and Stitcher and hopefully sometime soon Spotify. Uh, just working out some of the kinks there. But all that self-promotion out of the way, let's dive into some of the stuff uh, from the previous week. Um, it's end of the year and we're approaching Christmas. So the news cycles are kind of slow at the moment, but you had big stuff happening last week. Um, like I said, you had some of the backlash from Cyberpunk 2077, but you also had the season finale of The Mandalorian, which aired on Friday. And um, I will do a separate video like I did last time about my thoughts on the finale and pretty much how this season closed out. But big news and spoiler, if you guys didn't have a chance yet to watch the last episode, we were, so this is your, your little warning, spoiler, 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 um, if you haven't uh, caught up yet. But um, at the end of the episode, if you watch through the credits, we were teased with what looks to be um, Boba Fett taking over Jabba's uh, throne there on Tatooine with Fennec, um, played by Ming-Na Wen. 
And uh, we were teased with The Book of Boba coming out December of next year. And I know that caused a lot of speculation online, including myself, um, wondering, is this the separate um, series that we were hearing rumors about for a very long time? Um, or was this going to be the next series of chapters in season three of The Mandalorian? Because if you have been watching this series, you notice that every episode is a chapter, right? So it sounds like, or it appears as if we're running through a series within a book or series of books. And um, the big speculation was this could potentially have been the next series of chapters within the Mandalorian series. Um, but news finally came out today. Um, Disney Plus tweeted on Twitter that the Boba Fett series, it's its own standalone series. Uh, so that's really big news there. And the director, or at least um, what it looks like or what they're reporting, will be Robert Rodriguez. Um, so Robert Rodriguez is going to be tied to the new Boba Fett series that's coming out in December at the same time when we have season three of The Mandalorian coming out. So what they said in their tweet was that it's going to be a separate series uh, with Filoni and Favreau uh, spearheading the series, but director Robert Rodriguez is going to be helming the, the series itself. And it's going to be taking place within the same timeline as The Mandalorian. So we could potentially be seeing crossovers uh, between both series, but it will continue the story of Boba Fett, um, played by Tamara Morrison, and Fennec, who is portrayed, like I said before, by Ming-Na Wen. Um, and who knows what they're going to be um, exploring or what kind of adventures they're going to be getting themselves into. Um, I personally feel or think that this might be more of like... Um, the gangster side of Star Wars. Maybe we're going to see some of the underground workings on Tatooine. Who knows if they're going to leave off planet or what have you. But I'm really excited to see um, how their story continues because they were definitely one of the highlights of the towards the end of season two of The Mandalorian. And um, Robert Rodriguez, he directed that episode where Mando finally got... Um, Grogu up to that Jedi mountaintop to kind of put the call out there. And that's when Boba and Fennec bumped into Mando for the very first time. And that's when the whole exchanging of Boba's armor took place. And that's when Grogu got captured. Again, spoiler alert, I hope you guys have already been caught up there um, with the series. But I would like to think that if you are listening or watching this, you have already fully caught up um, and you know exactly what we're talking about. But um, I thought he did a really great job with that episode. Um, you know, he is a he's a seasoned director. And, uh, you know, the way he directed that he directed the episode was it felt very grounded and f felt very real um, because he used a lot of like on site locations and all that. Um, it didn't look like a lot of it was used uh, or filmed within that stagecraft environment, you know, where they have all the LCD screens. So it gave it more of like that down to earth feeling to it. And um, the action scenes were very Robert Rodriguez like, you know, a lot of handheld cameras and all that. So I'm very, very curious to see what he's going to do with this uh, separate series moving forward. And how long is this series going to go on for? Is this going to be an ongoing series? Are we just going to get a limited series for it? Who knows? But 
very interesting stuff there. And it's nice that they kind of cleared the air as to where this takes place. You know, are is it going to interrupt the flow of the Mandalorian? It doesn't sound like it, but we could see uh, crossovers there. So that would be totally interesting to see. And it is kind of nice that um, us Star Wars fans who've been with the franchise from the early beginnings, we're getting the same stuff and the same feelings that we got you know, when we were kids, when we were watching Star Wars for the very first time. And now we're getting a chance to explore more about these characters because I admit I was a huge Boba Fett fan when I was a kid, especially when he popped up in Vampire Strikes Back. But there was never a lot that was kind of explained about him at the time. You know, when Return of the Jedi came in, we all thought he kind of got, uh, you know, he he kind of got killed so soon and so early on without us even seeing him more or exploring more about uh, his background or, or what he's like or his personality or his character, or what he's capable of. Uh, we saw the younger version of Boba in the prequels, you know, with his father Django and all that stuff like that. And the Mandalorian was the first instance where we got to learn a little bit more about his background. We get to, we got to kind of see some of his intentions, at least, what they chose to show us. So it was a little interesting to see how that played out. And I'm definitely curious and uh, very much invested in seeing what's going to happen more uh, in the future. So very, very good stuff there. Um, separately on Disney Plus, it looks like Marvel announced another series that they're going to be launching on Disney Plus. And it's in the Marvel Universe. Um, it's um, called Marvel legends or marvel studios legends and this series will offer fans an in-depth look at individual mcu characters while also revisiting some of their iconic moments um the first two episodes will center around wanda maximo uh who is a scarlet witch portrayed by elizabeth olsen and vision uh who's played by paul bettany um so i think this is an interesting series um i don't think it's going to add a lot to the overall universe, but it's going to give us a chance to really understand each individual character and kind of do recaps because we have 20 plus movies in, in the books already with the Marvel Universe, and we've been introduced to so many different characters. So I think this will be a chance, especially now with the new uh, Marvel series that are coming out on Disney Plus, starting with uh, WandaVision. This will be a good recap and get a good understanding about each of the characters, especially for those of you who may not be into the lore within the comic books of each of these characters. Now, of course, the movies have taken some liberties and, and changed some things around, but still, they try to keep as much of, of the core um, lore of each character there. So very interesting stuff, um, and I'm sure it will allow us to really um dive a little deeper into each of the characters and how they kind of find their way within the universe and what kind of relationships they have with others within the universe and it will be a good lead up to the marvel uh series that they're coming out with you know with wandavision and then you have falcon and the winter soldier and then you have many more coming down the pipe so uh, will they go back and talk more about Steve Rogers and Captain America and Tony Stark and Iron Man? Who knows? Um, I have a strong feeling we're probably going to be focused. They're going to be focusing a lot on the characters that are involved in the upcoming TV series, whether it's Winter Soldier, Bucky, you know, Falcon, um, Loki, 
uh, who knows, we might get a Moon Knight one. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what characters they focus on and how far back they're going to go with other characters as well. I'm sure we'll get a Thor one because we already know Thor is coming out with another movie. I'm sure we're going to get Ant-Man and the Wasp because they got the, the new movie that's coming out in a couple of years. So interesting stuff and a good chance for uh, people to relive some of the, the iconic moments in this in the universe for each of these characters and hopefully to dive more deep into um, who they are and um, kind of what their motivations are and how they uh, their stories intertwine within the universe. So uh, very cool stuff there. Um, did you guys happen to see um, the photos for the upcoming uh, Coming to America sequel? So I, I believe at this time, if all things considered uh, were in place, we should have already gotten um, Coming to America 2, which is going to be released on Amazon Prime. Uh, originally, it was slated to release on the platform in December, but they pushed it back to March uh, for whatever reason, maybe they just wanted more time um, or they wanted to set themselves up in a better state uh, for when the movie is released. Um, but I've been kind of opti optimistically curious and um, but at the same time, very, very hesitant about this sequel uh, only because it's been so long since the original movie came out, I believe more than 30 years. And Coming to America was one of those movies that really hit home with me, uh, mainly because it was taking place and filmed in Queens, my home, my homes, my hometown. Um, I grew up in Queens. I still live in Queens. Queens has been my home for my whole life. And I remember when they were filming the original Coming to America, um, the location where they had the McDowell's restaurant. Um, I lived literally several blocks away from there. And that was my original path coming home from school. At that time, I was in uh, in junior high school. Um, so I saw them actually, it, it was a Wendy's. Um, and unfortunately, the, the Wendy's is not there anymore. Um, but at that time, there was a Wendy's restaurant there. So what they did is I saw them take down all the Wendy's signage and all that and replace it with the McDowell's signage. And they converted the Wendy's into the McDowell's that we saw in the movie. And I would see tons of people surrounding the area when they were filming. I, I didn't get to see anybody. Um, plus, I was uh, too young and too small to really pay that close attention to things. I just knew like, oh, they're filming a movie there. I wonder what movie that is. And then when I found out it was coming to America, of course, I went and saw the movie in the theater and fell in love with it immediately. It became a classic, an instant classic for me. Um, so coming to America, like I said, has always been one of my favorite movies um, growing up and even until now. So whenever they decide or they discuss about a sequel coming out, I'm always very hesitant about that. Um, but, you know, looking at these photos, I will have to I, I have to admit it it. it in a way, is intriguing me, and it's bringing me back to that world of, um, you know, the characters of Akeem and um, Semi. You know, I, I really do feel like I'm looking at these characters again, and they look actually not that bad, you know, for for people that you know first 
portrayed these characters 30 years ago. Um, you know, we know that we're getting uh, James Earl Jones back playing Akeem's father. Um, and then the story is supposed to uh, revolve around apparently Akeem had a son in New York and um, he has he finds his way coming back to New York to, I guess, touch base with his son. Um, how the son was born I don't know. Uh, maybe, you know, that one night when they were um, at the nightclub meeting all these random girls and like, trying to find the, the, the su suitable wife for a key, maybe something happened. Um, you know, maybe um, he, we didn't know, maybe he accidentally slept with the sister um, who, or maybe it's not Akeem's daughter. Maybe it's actually Semi's daughter because we know that he slept with the sister of his wife or or who were to be uh, Akeem's wife at the end of the movie. Um, but it sounds like a lot of the characters from the original movie are coming back. Um, the photos look great. I am, of course, going to watch it, and I am very curious to see how the movie comes out. Um, Dolomite uh, was his name that came out on Netflix, was uh, seeing Eddie Murphy coming back to movies after a pretty long hiatus and coming back to comedy movies. And I really loved that movie on Netflix. I thought it was uh, a really, um, that Eddie was like in full form again. And I thought he was really funny and he still had, you know, that talent in acting. And it looks like he really does have that passion to do these kinds of movies again. And since he is teaming up with the same director, Craig Brewer, um, you know, I I'm sure they already know how to work really well with each other. And Wesley Snipes was amazing in that movie. And Wesley Snipes does appear in Coming to America, too. Uh, we see a photo with him as well. So really, really interested to see how it's really going to play out. I just hope it's good. I really, really just hope it's good um, because it, it would be a shame if it turns out to be uh, a crap fest or something just to, um, you know, um, take in from the original from the original movie. Um if it's not good, at least we have the original to go back to, right? Um, but I really do hope they do it justice because, uh, like I said, these characters uh, really, really, uh, you know, mean a lot to me because of the movie and how much I love the movie. And it does look like we're getting the the barbers again. Uh, so we're, we're I'm sure we're going to have a couple of scenes within that barbershop. So I I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, so really, really cool stuff there. And then surprising news that um, came out last week that I obviously was not expecting. And I'm sure a lot of us weren't. But it looks like NBC is developing a new Night Court sequel series. Um, Night Court was one of those comedies that came out in the 80s that um, I, I don't know how popular it was. Because me growing up in the 80s, I feel like... Everyone was watching everything. Um, and, you know, for those of us who grew up in the 80s, we have fond memories of a lot of TV series back then. Um, Night Court definitely was one of them. It's one of those that came in the late 80s and then um, spilled into the 90s. But it was one of those series that I think I caught on syndication. And I used to watch them at night as reruns. 
And I, I really love the set of characters here. You know, you had Bull, the 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 guard, and you know, you had um, John Larroquette playing the the one of the lawyers there. But the best, uh, obviously, the main character and the one that stood out the most was Harry Anderson because he was a stand-up comic for a very long time. Um, he knew magic and all, and that was part of his bit. And, you know, he really shined bright in this TV series because of his personality and all that. So apparently what this new sequel series is supposed to, uh, how it evolves is that um, Abby Stone, who is the daughter of Harry Stone, uh, portrayed by Harry Anderson, um, is now the new judge and will take is taking over um the mantle there and following in her father's footsteps for the series and it will still take place in new york in manhattan um and we'll see how it goes so and it does look like uh john larroquette is reprising his role of fielding um so he will uh come back in this uh, in this series um so it will be really really interesting to see how that's going to play out. Um, Dan Rubin is attached to write and will executive produce the series, along with Melissa Rauch. Uh, she was involved with The Big Bang Theory. Um, and uh, also Lara Kett is also going to be involved in some of the production and producing there. Um, I had no idea that the original series ran from 84 to 92. So that that is a pretty long long run time for a series especially for a series back then and it it had nearly 200 episodes so um i don't know if night court is even playing anywhere on a any cable station um i know that they released dvd sets of the the series back then so if you have a chance uh i would recommend you catching up on it um i don't know how it holds up today i haven't seen an episode of it in so long uh, so i only have memories of it but um the chemistry they had with all the characters there were very well done and it was one of those series too that even though it was a comedy series they, they had moments where they really touched on very uh, poignant and sensitive topics of the time too so um i, I remember vaguely remembering there were like uh, episodes that you know, dealt with suicide and drug use and 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 all of these. Like, uh, I think there was a kidnapping at one point. I could be wrong. I, I don't really remember. If you remember, leave your comments um, in the comments there and, and maybe uh, list out some of the, your memories of what you remember from the series. But I do remember really liking the series a lot. Um, and I am curious to see how it's going to play out. Um, pretty sure. Um, the information I'm reading here, I'm pretty sure this is going to end up being a Peacock series. Um, or at least we will be able to watch it on Peacock alongside with um, the, the national syndicated release of it. So, um, so yeah, so Night Court coming back. But with all this news coming out, the main, main um, topic in pop culture um, that was, we heard news and updates on this every day, ever since the game was launched um, on Thursday um, the 10th. And that involved, that revolves around Cyberpunk 2077. So, boy, what a difference a week makes. And a lot can happen in a week. And CD Projekt Red saw pretty much highs and mostly lows this whole entire week of its launch of the 
very highly anticipated video game that came out for all platforms and for PC players and all that. Um, I guess let's the best way to do it is to uh, approach it from the beginning. Um, and uh, I, I, I talked about this extensively with my, my buddy, uh, Paul, um, with our Two Can Play That podcast. Um, but I'll try my best to kind of recap some of the things and some new stuff that came out also over the weekend. But uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is based on a tabletop role-playing game uh, or a role-playing universe. And CD Projekt Red um, first announced that they were uh, developing and producing this game back in 2012. So it's been an eight-year road uh, for them to finally come out with this game. And, you know, when the game first debuted at E3, um, I forget how, how long ago that was, um, it was promising to be uh, a really huge uh, open world um, adventure, cyberpunk type of adventure um, that will involve different parts of this um, futuristic city where you could play multiple roles and have all these different type of interactions with characters and do a lot of cool things like, you know, there's a lot of like cyber hacking and obviously there's a lot of um, battles and fights you can go through, a lot of world exploring with your vehicles. So it, it was going to be like an amazing, amazing game when it finally released. And it's a huge, um, huge uh, undertaking to, to take on this type of project because there's so much you can do in this game. And the developers were really wanting to give players this huge experience, kind of like how people were experiencing Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead uh, Redemption and things like that, um, that open world um um, kind of experience. And, you know, CD Projekt Red, they're no stranger to these type of games. You know, when The Witcher 3 came out or The Witcher series in, in general, um, they they proved on how well they can do these type of open world games in the specific genres that they're focusing on. So the, needless to say, a lot of people were really, really waiting for this game to come out. Now, within the past year or two, there have been a lot of issues and uh, delays because of how in-depth the development cycle is for this type of game, um, especially moving into this year with um, COVID and the pandemic. There were multiple delays of the game happening, um, and they were afraid that they were going to miss their original launch date, which I believe was during the summer. So they moved things back to October, then it was November, and then they said finally December, right? Um, and if I'm I'm um, messing up the timeline, I do apologize in advance. I'm just trying to give like an overall uh, recap of things. But the summer, they started releasing these um, Night City Watch kind of um, streams where they gave us updates and first looks at the game, the environments, the, the characters, the weapons, the life paths, all that stuff like that. And it's really it was really building up on the hype for the release of this game. Um, but we didn't realize um, the ins and outs up until the game was launched when all of these issues started came, coming out. So some of the things that happened was, um, you know, the game launched on Thursday, the 10th. And day one, there was already uh, a major patch to fix a lot of bugs. But 
we didn't know how extensive the issues were until that weekend when people started reporting all the main issues that they were experiencing on consoles and not just not we're not talking about the current next gen consoles like the ps5 or the xbox series x we're talking about the the last gen or current gen or at that time the consoles that most people had because not everyone was able to grab a ps5 or land an xbox series x so majority of the people who were playing this game on console were playing it on a ps4 or an xbox one and we started seeing the screenshots and videos of um, bad load times, bunch of crashes, AI acting all weird, um, uh, missing layers and textures on NPC characters and environments, bad frame rate issues and all that stuff like that. While people who were playing on PC weren't experiencing that big of an amount of issues that the console players were seeing. Um, so then, little by little, the complaints started to flood the, the internet, and um, it it led to CD Projekt Red coming out with this huge announcement that you know they they understand and they apologize for all the issues that everyone was experiencing. Um, you know they want to provide us with the proper experience of the game itself. And they realize that there's a lot of people unhappy there. Um, their timeline to fix a lot of these things wasn't going to be anything in the near future or that quickly after launch. But they were promising that they're going to have the majority of the issues fixed in January, moving into February of next year, which is a long time to wait for a lot of people who just bought a game. Um, despite all those problems, the game actually did very well pre-order wise um it was reported that um the game itself broke a bunch of records you know whether it was um you know selling over 8 million copies of the title being able to recoup its entire dev cost and marketing costs with pre-orders alone because of that um, it led CD Projekt Red to readjust the bonus infrastructure of all the development teams um, so that they will get their proper bonuses regardless of ratings or regardless of reaction of the game. Um, so that was like the one bright part of this huge domino effect that was going to lead them into all of last week. So to to go back on things, all these issues were coming out. News outlets started putting out their reviews, you know, giving really, really negative reviews on base console versions of the game. IGN gave the base console version of the game a four out of 10, which is probably one of the lowest ratings I've seen IGN give in most recent uh, years, especially for such a big title like this. Um, and, you know, people were just going nuts all across the board. So what CD Projekt Red decided to do was on that Monday last week, they said, if you're un unhappy and you cannot wait for the, the better experience to come with all the bug fixes that are in the pipe, you can go ahead and reach out for a refund or return your game to the store, retail store, or reach out to Sony or Microsoft and, re and request a refund. Now, they went ahead and said that without first confirming that that is possible with Sony and Microsoft. 
So they were bombarded and flooded with a bunch of requests for refunds that they were not like ready to handle at all. So Sony then started denying the refunds. You know, Microsoft, it wasn't really sure what they were doing. Maybe they were, they were kind of trying to um, appease the user base. Um, but then CD Projekt Red got huge backlash on that. And then they retracted their statement about the whole refund thing. They had an emergency board meeting on that Wednesday of last week. And they put out another statement saying um, they fully apologize um, about the improper launch of this. They claim that they were not fully aware of all the, the brevity of the issues that appeared in, in console form for the base users and all that. And... It is their mission to go ahead and make sure that they fix all of these issues immediately. Um, so now they're having like a mandatory crunch time for the dev team to make sure that the majority of these issues are fixed by January, moving into February and all that. Um, you know, and they just ask the community to be patient, right? Um, and then it it started leaking out that the way they controlled the the type of footage or the review copies of the game um was very mishandled and and a lot of miscommunication the, the reoccurring thing that's happening here is all the miscommunication that's been happening from their side um but it was pretty clear that it was cd project management that was spearheading the decisions to to make uh when it was time to launch when it was time to focus on certain things what review copies were allowed to be sent out, what review footage was allowed to be played alongside with reviews of the game. Um, they had full control over a lot of that stuff. And the majority of the time, whenever we saw any news coverage or reviews of Cyberpunk 27.7 or uh, previews, we should say, it was all PC footage. All footage taken from the PC version of the game. We didn't get to really see footage on consoles except for uh, Xbox uh, Series X. And then eventually we saw PS5 footage. We only saw a glimpse of PS4 uh, when a copy was actually leaked from a warehouse two weeks prior to launch. And we saw um, people streaming it on Twitch. Uh, we saw 20 minutes of footage of, of that. But again, we didn't see how bad things were because you really couldn't tell within that 20 minutes. Then day of launch, we finally started, you know, reviewers started to get the, the console versions and they started testing thing out, things out. And that's when the floodgates really, really opened. And it's just been bad news after bad news after bad news every day since launch, um, you know, and all Fingers were being pointed to the dev team at CD Projekt Red, which I think is unfortunate and unfair. Um, then Major Bomb was dropped on Thursday of last week. Sony put out an announcement saying that they are delisting Cyberpunk 2077 from the PSN store. That you can no longer purchase a digital version of it. And they are accepting all refunds, all refund requests for digital copies, and then if you bought a physical edition, they encourage everyone to return it to their retail locations of where they purchased it from. Major, major news, and again, another huge blow to CD Projekt Red there. Shortly after, Microsoft confirmed that they're doing the same thing, but they're not taking it out of the store. They're just accepting um, the refund requests that are coming in. 
CD Projekt Red followed up with another announcement on Friday saying that it was a joint decision that they made with Sony, that this is fair uh, for the user base, you know, in order to appease users and make them happy. And then over the weekend, there was another emergency conference call that apparently happened where the dev team was uh, furious and arguing with CD Projekt Red management, upper management, about decisions that were made uh, in regards to launch time, crunch time, marketing, you know, handling of the media, so on and so forth. And then now it appears that CD Projekt Red could be facing a potential lawsuit by its investors because of all the misrepresentation. So when it rains, it pours, and it all happened basically within a week's time. Now, as I mentioned in, an, in, a, in that podcast I do with my friend Paul, who can play that, blame can be pointed in many, many different directions here, right? Now, I think overall what happened and what we saw is a prime example of how pressure got to the studio to release this game after all the promises, after all the delays. At this point, I don't even think it was a financial obligation or it was uh, concerns over financial um, issues. At this point, I think it was just to appease the user base and the market. It was just like we came out guns a blazing saying this was going to be the best game experience, a unique game experience. We've been hyping it up for the last eight years. We've been really hyping it up since summer of this year. We have to make a due to our promises and all that. And upper management probably decided we need to go now regardless. And whatever happens, happens. And we will deal with it when it happens. I've worked in the game industry before i've been in situations very similar to this but of course my time was a little different because i worked in a time where it was mainly physical copies like we, there were no such things as patches back then but we controlled a lot of what was being shown outside you know i spoke many times to reviewers on the phone you know and and dictating what they're what they can review what they're allowed to write what kind of footage they should show I took my own footage to make sure that whatever they were going to show was the most pristine versions of whatever it was. Um, you know, there was dinners involved and all that kind of stuff like that. So, yeah. So when you hear about, you know, um, buttering up reviewers in order to favor your game, the, that stuff happens, you know, especially back then. I'm not too sure about now, but I won't be surprised if it still happens today. And I know that's a huge controversial topic, um, something that was um, discussed um, very adamantly in the past years about uh, reviewer scores and, you know, publishers or dev teams um, trying to milk those reviews and all that stuff like that. So I'm not going to go more into it, but I'll just say that that does happen. It exists. I don't know if it exists today, but it existed quite a bit back then. So I know how these things can happen. And I wasn't there, but from what I've gathered from the information that was provided to us online or from all the stuff that I've been reading, it just sounds like to me upper management was pressured to finally release this game. They wanted to make sure that people had this by Christmas to enjoy it and hype it up even more to get more people to buy into it and all that stuff like that. 
um, I'm pretty sure they were well aware of how bad things looked on base consoles. Their hope was that people on PC and next-gen consoles would be happy enough and touted enough. And obviously, all the streamers are out there streaming the game and all that. That's free publicity and marketing for them. Um, but I just don't think they were really, really, truly prepared on the backlash that they were going to get. And, you know, things like this has happened before. You know, the same team um, faced the same issues when Witcher 3 came out. A lot of people don't remember that. No Man's Sky was another one that, you know, again, a lot of hyped up promises, a lot of hyped up expectations, bad launch. But it took years for them to come back. And now No Man's Sky is one of those like under the radar, amazing, amazing titles out there that have done a lot since the, the initial release. And it's being touted as like one of the, the most ambitious and well thought out games. And a lot of people are really loving it now. So I'm pretty positive that these guys, CD Projekt Red, will recover from this. It's going to take them a while. But they will recover from this. But right now, it's left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and the industry in general. Their reputation has been shot. You know, ever since these issues happened, their stock prices went down 29%. Um, despite selling over 8 million copies and recouping a lot of their dev costs and marketing costs. But then again, we're not even counting the amount of refunds that are coming through. No, I don't think the amount of refunds is that dramatic. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out later on. But again, this is it's a reminder of bad business practice. And we've seen this before in the past. Um, and it, of course, it's very easy to forget about things that's happened years ago. Um, now, with social media, the internet so accessible, YouTube videos, all that stuff like that, it's very easy to bombard the internet with all of these things, you know. And we were just flooded with the amount of footage and screenshots of all these bugs, you know. Um, NPC characters floating in the air, um, you know, weapons not spawning, um, being able to glitch in and out of walls, um, you know, it, 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 you name it, this game has experienced it. And it's, it's just ugly. Like, I know people that because of all these issues, refuse to buy the game or even play it. You know, who knows if they will go back and play it later on once things get cleaned up. Um, I've been playing it on an Xbox One X, uh, which is, you know, the hybrid of the base gen um, consoles. And I haven't really been seeing a lot of the graphical issues. Yes, I do see instances where weapons take time to spawn or none were spawned at all. Floating objects, you know, NPC characters sometimes acting a little funky or not even acting at all. Um, but the overall story is very well thought out so far from what I've experienced. And, you know, the, the universe that it creates is a very intriguing one. And that's why I'm continuing to play it because of the story, because of the characters, because of the environment, the universe. Now I have experienced crashes and that does take away from the experience. It really does. Um, I think over the weekend was the first time I thought about you know, I wish I kind of bought it on PC instead. You know, that, th that thought crossed my mind. Um, I'm not going to um, because 
you know, I already have it on Xbox. And eventually when I have a chance to play it on the Series X, then at least I'll have my copy and I could see how that's going to progress my experience. But again, a, a very bad example of bad, uh, uh, not bad example, but this is a prime example of really bad business practice and mismanagement from upper management. You know, I feel terrible for the developers of this game. They have worked tirelessly, uh, tirelessly, I should say. Um, and we all know and we've read, it's been documented about the crunch times that they've been putting into these games. We know crunch time affects the game industry, not just here, but all across the board. You know, people working 24-hour shifts, 12-hour shifts, weekends, nonstop, no breaks, all that stuff like that in order to meet their deadlines, you know. And would it, would it have hurt if they delayed it again until January or February? Possibly. I think it would have lost some favor with the user base. It probably would have lost some favor with the media. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if people knew that they were getting a prime A, like a prime uh, version of the game once it finally came out, I think it wouldn't have hurt at all that badly. Um, and I think people would have had a much better experience with the game overall. Should they have done a, a layered release, you know, where it's like, all right, we're releasing for PC first and next gen. So that's PS5 and Xbox Series X. And then for base consoles, that's going to come in January or February. You know, um, I think that would have been fine too. Like we've seen that, you know, we, we've seen that happen with some titles and it, it begs the question, right? How is this going to affect other development for titles that were maybe at one point meant to come out on base, but now they want to focus on next gen, you know, where should the focus lie? Should they just focus on what their main base was and then worry about next gen or worry about base consoles afterwards so that they could clean it up and make sure they account for everything? Who knows? But this singular release for all consoles especially now now is a bad time to be developing or releasing stuff that you've been developing for the last couple of years because now you're worrying about two new platforms right you know you were developing so long for a ps4 or an xbox one experience but now you have to make sure that it is uh adequate for ps5 and xbox series x especially with the updated hardware and the new possibilities and all that now i know a lot of dev teams they do have access to the dev kits for next gen consoles pretty early on but that's not all dev teams you know and then plus there's huge costs sometimes that is involved if you want to get a dev kit that early on um unless you're like a triple a publisher or developer out there you will have to wait for that time to get your hands on a dev kit for any next gen console. So, you know, it, it's it's really it's really hard to see the development team go through this because um I know their heart was all in the right place. And some of the things that we read online or I read online was that, you know, they were adamant about these issues that they were having and how bad the the base console versions were and it wasn't really ready for launch um and upper management thought about it i guess and listened a little bit but at the end of the day they made the decision to launch anyway um 
And it's it's bad because a lot of reviewers out there are saying that this game was just never ready and it should have never been launched, you know, or it should not have been launched for certain consoles or certain platforms. So I think this is a good example of why time is of is is really important and how you have to be very careful with how you release things. Um, I believe and forgive me if if I'm not quoting it um, properly, but Shigeru uh, Miyamoto, um, who is uh, the big dog there at Nintendo, the father of, of Mario and Super Mario, uh, he had a quote there that basically states that, you know, um, a good game that comes out is a, is a good game that um, uh, something like um, uh, a great experience for life, but a bad game is a bad game forever or, or something along those lines. Again, I, I apologize for, for not quoting it correctly, but... You know, and he comes from an old school background. You know, like I said, he comes from a, a period when there are no patches, when whatever was released was released, and that's all you're going to get, right? Um, and I think in, in very recent years, a lot of companies have gotten too accustomed to, you know what, we can release it, whatever we have now, and then we'll patch it up along the way. You know, we see day one patches happen all the time. We see patches that come in a couple of days afterwards. We see patches that come in weeks months all that you know marvel's avengers in recent years has been seeing that happen with the avengers game that came out from square enix um you know grand theft auto red dead redemption uh, a lot of big games now come out with these mentalities that you know we can launch what we got now hit our deadline street date all that stuff like that whatever issues are there we will patch up along the way and I think that's just laziness. And that is a bad way of approaching your business and approaching, you know, the the type of product that you're putting out there. Um, I think and I hope this is going to lead to a lot of developers and a lot of publishers to really think twice about what they're putting out there and how finished um, or how far along they are within that cycle in order to say okay or nay to releasing at a certain time. Um, because this cannot happen again. If this happens again with another company, the backlash will be even worse, I think. Um, and, you know, especially within this time of pandemic, where a lot of people are staying home, they're looking for new things to do. Of course, people are eagerly anticipating stuff that they're waiting for. You know, this was going to be that one big event that was to close out 2020. You know, Cyberpunk 2077 finally came out and it was a huge success and gamers are happy and they're loving it. You know, there are gamers out there who are loving it, but there's a lot of gamers out there who are furious and angry and all they do is badmouth CD Projekt Red for what happened here and there and all that. And um, I think I've heard uh, rumors or stories about the dev team getting death threats and all that stuff like that. And it's just really, really unfortunate. It, it's, it should not be put on them. They did their best from what I am to believe. They, they put out the red flags. You know, I've been in those situations where, you know, I've warned upper management, we cannot do this. We cannot do that. We're not ready for this. And you know, often my voice was unheard or my ruling was overruled, right? So, you know, it, it was just, it's just an unfortunate time for this company. 
Um, I'm hoping that they can really recuperate from all of this stuff. But, you know, for the last week, it was very, very hard not to ignore the fact that the biggest news item was Cyberpunk 2077 and for all the bad reasons. Um, I think it's been overshadowed on actually how big of an accomplishment with what we got, how big of an accomplishment it was. You know, to be able to provide that big universe with an intriguing storyline and multiple life paths that you could experience and multiple characters that you meet along the way and the lore that they created within this entire universe. Um, like I said, everything that I've experienced so far is intriguing and it's making me want to play more and more. And yes, like I said, I do come across the occasional bug and glitch or uh, just the other day, I got I came into this weird glitch where I couldn't even fire my weapon, and I died multiple times because of that. Um, and it it was frustrating. It really, really was frustrating, you know. Um, but at certain times, I just laugh at it because it's just it it's it's very comical, you know, is that I'm playing such an advanced game with these comical type of issues in there. You know, it kind of reminds me of playing a really bad game from like the PS1, PS2 era sometimes. Um, but it shouldn't be the case, you know, but you have to have a certain understanding and be able to accept the fact that this is what it is. And they are working on on patching things up. You know, just yesterday they or over the weekend, they released another hotfix. So now they're up to version 1.05. Um, and that is, again, another one. And then there will be another one probably in a week or two. You know, we were promised that we we're going to get multiple updates up until February of next year. And I think it is up to CD Projekt Red to really save face and make sure they, they adhere and keep to these promises, unfortunately causing the dev team to work again extra hard and extra long hours and really put in the crunch time to make sure they solve all of these issues. And then more than likely, they're going to go ahead and offer some incentive or free DLC or something that will appease the user base and all that stuff like that. And probably around this time next year, we would have forgotten all about those issues. And we will tout Cyberpunk 2077 as one of the games of the year, probably. And I'm hoping. But it is yet to be seen. Um, but yeah. It was quite a week in news for these guys uh, and quite a week in news in general. But that's pretty much it, guys. Um, again, not that one hour and a half like we got last time with all the big news from Disney and all that. But those were some of the major highlights of the week. Uh, like I said, it is going to be it is Christmas this week. So don't expect there to be another episode of the podcast itself. Um at the end of this week or next week, I'm going to take some time off, but I will be releasing some um, additional uh, videos or and um, special episodes on the podcast, one of which will be uh, my top 10 holiday movies uh, to check out or that I love checking out every year. Um, so you could kind of consider that to be the supplemental uh, episode of the podcast, along with we got Wonder Woman 84 and Soul. Uh, Pixar Soul coming out at the end of this week. So expect my reviews of that coming up on the channel um, this weekend as well. So like I said, I am me and you are you. And this is the show, guys. So thank you so much again for tuning in. And I hope you have a wonderful holiday. Um, 
enjoy 2020 has been a tough year for all of us so i hope you get some time to wind down relax hopefully you could spend some time with family and friends and if not at least you're trying to do so whether it's on zoom google hangouts on the phone what have you uh, you don't have to be alone. There's always people you could reach out to. The holidays are always tough for a lot of people. And it, it is a time when people go through major depression. But always rest assured that there's someone out there who will be happy to talk to you and spend time with you. So you don't have to be alone. So enjoy the rest of your year. Enjoy the holidays. Happy New Year in advance. And I will be back to see you guys in the New Year 2021 big and strong all right guys so until then stay cool stay classy stay safe be kind to one another wear your masks and wash your hands and i'll catch all y'all next time bye